Hey everyone, Frankie Barnhill here. Have you ever heard of this 1872 law called the General Mining Act? It's a pretty big deal in Idaho. The law allows prospecting and mining on federal public lands, and it was a long time coming for miners in 1872 because they made their way out to the West in the 1840s, 50s, and 60s looking to strike it rich, and sometimes they found minerals on public land. The law paved a legal pathway for them to basically make claims to the minerals they discovered. So minerals like gold, silver, tungsten, and copper. Fast forward to 2018, when an open pit mine proposal in the Payette National Forest east of McCall has some people wondering about the possible environmental and socioeconomic impacts in the region. Legally, the project can move forward because of that 1872 law. But should it? My name is Fred Coriel. Uh, I'm a resident of McCall, Idaho. My question was, what impacts will this uh, mining operation have on our greater community here? I met Fred Coriel a couple weeks ago in McCall. He's definitely curious, but he's also worried. He asked his question of Want to Know Idaho, and then he rallied his friends to vote for his question so they could all learn about it, too. For the record, this crowdsourcing worked. Fred's question not only took 83% of the votes from last month, but it received the most votes of any question from all of our previous episodes, a record 262 votes to be precise. So yeah, pretty impressive. Part of what we do on this podcast is bring you behind the scenes of our reporting. You know, journalism isn't really great about this, but we're trying to change that in our own little ways here at Boise State Public Radio. So I wanted to open it up and uh, give you a little bit of an update to let you know what's going on. Obviously, Fred's question about the Stibnite mine is one that many of you wanted to learn about. And, you know, selfishly, I wanted to know more about it, too. But environmental stories like this one are pretty complicated. Depending on who you talk to, you'll get all kinds of different perspectives about the issue. And it's kind of hard to, uh, pardon the pun, it's hard to drill down on which of those, you know, are actually the most viable. So, which, you know, of course makes it more interesting, but it also makes it harder to report sometimes. And we want to go deeper than just the headline with this question. So to tell this story right, we've asked a reporter who actually lives in the region, someone who's reported on the story for Boise State Public Radio before, and she's going to take the lead. I called up journalist Monica Goki a couple days ago to talk about how she plans to report the story for Want to Know Idaho. Here's our conversation. Oops, can you hear me? Oh, hey, Monica. Yeah, I can hear you now. Hey. Hey. Okay, great. Monica, where do you live? I live just south of Cascade, Idaho. Okay. And so uh, I asked you if you'd be willing to kind of take the lead on this uh, reporting project, and you uh, thankfully said yes right away. And part of the reason why I asked you is because you've done some reporting on Midas Gold, right? Yeah, just living up here. You know, I've been to several of the town hall meetings, and then I also work um, on a lot of general public lands issues in my, you know, reporting work as a journalist. And so large-scale mining on public lands definitely falls into that. And so what's what's going on with Midas Gold right now for people who maybe haven't ever heard about this uh, proposal? 
Sure. Well, the site is called Stibnite, and Stibnite was a mine that was active. It's been active on and off for more than 100 years. Um, it was really important during World War II. Um, it's a gold, silver, antimony, and tungsten mine. Um, now, a new company's come in, Midas Gold, and basically new technology has allowed them to see the mine as profitable again. You know, they have better extraction technology. Um, and they're hoping to go in there and uh, make this a pretty pretty large-scale mine. Now, the rub is that this area has changed a lot over the last couple decades. You know, um, Valley County and the West Central Mountains in general, they used to be a pretty blue-collar area. This was, you know, heavy ranching, timber, mining country. But over the past several decades, you've seen a bigger transition in the economy go toward recreation and leisure you know, a lot of people have second homes up here. And so I think, you know, there's this cultural difference, too, between like the new Valley County and the old. And a lot of people here don't feel like a mine is the right thing for this area. Um, but that said, you know, the 1872 mining law says that mining is a venerable use of public land. So everything Midas is doing, you know, in my judgment, it's well within, you know, what's allowed and and even you know, inked in terms of our, our legal framework in the West. Right. Yeah, that 1872 mine that's come up, uh, or 1872 law, rather, a federal law that says basically that mining is allowed on uh, public lands and even in wilderness areas and definitely on Forest Service land. Um, and I understand. Yeah, totally. And the Forest Service is a big part of this, right? What's their role right now? Yeah, so the Forest Service is the big permitting agency here. Um, they're the ones sort of managing the draft environmental impact statement, which will be coming out in May of 2020, plus or minus a month. Those things don't always happen on schedule. Um, about 95% of the historic Stibnite site is planned to be reused, plus a little bit of additional land. Um, so the Forest Service um, is working in conjunction with several federal and state agencies. You know, the EPA is involved in permitting. So is the State um, Department of Environmental Quality and the Idaho Department of Lands. There are several different groups that have a role in the permitting process for this mine. Yeah. Okay. So lots of lots of agencies involved, which is not surprising at all with a project like this. Um, but uh, yeah, what you said before about kind of the cultural, um, uh, uh, I don't know, situation right now up there in terms of people who maybe have lived there their whole lives and are used to the idea of this kind of extraction uh, and resource extraction and that being part of their economy to those who maybe are going, ah, I don't know. I, I moved here, you know, even 20 years ago, and I really don't necessarily want to see that. And, and a lot of people are concerned specifically about um, the South Fork of the Salmon River. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about why that has gotten some people, especially those concerned about environmental concerns, upset? Sure. Yeah. So the mine sits at the headwaters of the South Fork of the Salmon. It's actually up a tributary to the South Fork called the East Fork of the South Fork of the Salmon River. And people feel concerned because mining really permanently damaged that watershed. Um, the Salmon River today is largely devoid of its namesake fish, the salmon. Um, and, and mining played a big role in, in sort of causing that to happen, not just through leakage, but also through like sediment flowing into the river um, on the East Fork, in some cases, an entire blockage of part of the river. Um, and so, you know, over the past, uh, give or take 20 years since the mine has been dormant, um, salmon fisheries have been recovering. And part of that is due to 
a lot of public money and then also tribal money spent on uh, restoring these fisheries. And some people feel like, you know, if they're recovering on their own, why jeopardize that progress? Um, On the flip side, Midas Gold has also made a big commitment publicly to do um, restoration as well as reclamation. So uh, reclamation is this idea of making a site stable after you've mined it, you know, so nothing leaks, um, nothing can like further damage the area around it. Um, Restoration is a cut above and, and it's sort of this uncomfortable truth, you know, you, you, we realize that mining has a big impact and restoration is sort of like a tit for tat. Like if we do something bad here, maybe we can do something really good here to help offset, you know, part of the consequence. Um, and so Midas Gold has floated this pretty large plan to restore um, parts of the East Fork of the South Fork of the Salmon, including reopening a channel that was blocked by, by previous mining. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. A lot of people feel concerned that um, they don't have a lot of faith in the mining company that they can do this. But on the flip side, I think there's also people here who feel like, you know, there's not enough money to restore this as it should be done. And they're sort of open minded to the possibility that private industry has the financial wherewithal to do a lot of the needed restoration work on the salmon. Right. And I suppose, you know, it can definitely be argued that mining uh, has evolved a lot in recent decades. And, and maybe there is something to the, the idea that they could actually do this uh, safely and, and still safeguarding. But of course, we don't know that because it hasn't been done before. Yeah, yeah, that's totally right, Frankie. And this is sort of like the hard thing about mines, right, is it's a really big project. And there's always like moving variables, moving targets. I've, um, in my head, I've likened it to people, I've never built a house, Frankie, but I've known people who built a house and they say it's so terrible because you think you have a plan and then you're always having to adjust and make decisions on the fly. And that's kind of what large scale mining on public lands is. You know, you have a plan of operations, but um, in general, most mines end up adapting on the go. So you're right. We don't know exactly what will happen um, despite our best efforts to, to plan for it. To the folks in the West Central Mountains, it was so great to hear your questions and learn about what you're curious about. It was also great to meet some of you face-to-face in October at our station event in McCall at Bistro 45. I decided that instead of just doing one story on this, you know, very dynamic region, we should do two. So besides Monica's story on the Stibnite Gold Project, which will, by the way, be coming your way sometime in November, you'll get a bonus question from another listener in the West Central Mountains, and that's also coming in November. So if you haven't yet hit that subscribe button on this podcast, it's the best way to make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Okay, that's it for me now. Thanks for being part of this Curious Collective.